Welcome to the Future Forward podcast, an unusual tech dialogue brought to you by Mazdar City. This season, we're exploring innovations and technologies of the future from around the world. My name's Lucy Hedges. I'm the former technology editor for the Metro newspaper, a BBC presenter and self-confessed tech enthusiast. And I'm Nermin Negm, acting head of marketing and communications at Mazdar City, a world-class innovation hub and the pioneering sustainable urban community in Abu Dhabi. Now, over this series, we're going to be focusing on the cities of tomorrow, traveling across the globe to talk to the experts who are making it happen in the cities that are changing the world we live in. So where are we heading to today, Lucy? Okay, we are heading to Singapore, a nation and city that prides itself on its smart initiative. Now, here to tell us all about its principal program manager at Amazon Web Services, we have Ling Lei. Now, Ling is a leading expert in smart cities, urban infrastructure and institutions and public sector digital transformation. And we are very, very excited to have him on the show. And it's his birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> happy birthday, Ling. Please unfasten your seatbelts and welcome to the Future Forward podcast, Ling Lei. Hey, Ling. Hello, everyone. Hey, Ling. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for the invitation. You know, um, I'm from Vietnam, but I've been able, uh, I've been living in Singapore for the past three and a half years. So it's a great privilege to be here and speak about the countries that I now call home. Well, I mean, let's get right into it then. Before we begin uh, talking about technologies in Singapore, can you give us a little introduction about what you do, about yourself and what you're doing at Amazon Web Services? So I, at Amazon uh, Web Services, I lead a global program called the Smart City Competency Program. And what it does is that it validates our partners who build smart city solutions on AWS and ensure that these are the best in class of partners so we can recommend them to our customers. Um, this stemmed from my previous experience working with development banks where I work on financing uh, of urban infrastructure. And we did a lot of projects on smart cities with uh, governments across the world. And one thing that I always remember from my meetings with you know, government officials is that they always say, well, this, is, this sounds great, but where has this been done successfully before? And this hesitation from the public sector customers, right, in terms of adopting new technology is there. It's across all different countries. And that's why we want to build this program to ensure that we can tell our customers that these are really the best in class of partners and we have vetted them. So please adopt them with uh, ease. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm personally really excited to speak to you because we have a longstanding relationship with uh, AWS at Mazar City. In COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, we signed a collaboration where we will host your Clean Energy Accelerator cohort in time for COP28 happening here in the UAE. So the cohort is going to come here and we're going to take care of their, you know, introducing them to the ecosystem and taking care of their program. And then our relationship got even more strong by signing an MOU at Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week, which is the leading sustainability gathering globally that happens in Abu Dhabi every year, organized by Mazdar. You know, we signed an agreement where the Mazdar City Free zone companies get AWS credit. So that's all really exciting. And um, we love working with you guys. And I guess that kind of leads me to the first question, which is what a city like Singapore is doing to support the clean tech startup ecosystem. It's, it's really important for, you know, not only companies, but also cities to play a role. So can you give us some examples on how this is done in Singapore? Sure. Um, 
as you know, the, the same engagement that we have uh, with Mastar is the same type of engagement that we do with uh, cities globally. And obviously, in every city, there are different outfits right, that, that play the similar role. Um, but in Singapore, for example, the government has been putting in a lot of efforts, investment and support through uh, organizations such as the, the Temasek Foundation or um, SG Innovate. So these are great accelerators uh, or identifiers or supporters of the startup community, right? So for example, the Temasek Foundation, um, they organize a livability challenge, which is a platform where they hunt and accelerate development of um, just startups, especially uh, in urban uh, sustainability. And from these type of platform, they identify really innovative and, and game-changing startups. For example, the, the startup that won the competition last year, Sea uh, Change, um, has invented a technology that allows them to convert the uh, carbon dioxide in seawater into stable solid that can be used to build um, buildings. And, and the great thing about then Singapore is how they take these startup technologies from this platform and then bring them to collaboration with organizations like the National Water Utility, so the PUB, so that they can work together and scale up this innovation. So Sea Change, the organization, and, and PUB is working on developing um, the world's first carbon extracting desalination plant. Right, so this is cycle from technology to scale up. I think that's something that Singapore does very well. And we at AWS stay very close to support Singapore and other countries in this type of innovation uh, because we see a lot of role for us to play in this. Um, I'm right by saying that, you know, Singapore is pretty well known as one of the states leading the clean tech innovation in Asia. Am I right by saying that? Definitely so. Uh, and I think a lot of it is stemming and directly aligning with their uh, Green Plan 2030. So the government is a strong proponent and supporter of developing this innovation. And rightly so, right? Singapore as a small country without much resources. So they know that you know, innovation is the only way forward. And so they're putting a lot of effort in that. And that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. And I want to come back to the Green Plan, which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, but just kind of um, off the back of what you just said, you know, Singapore has grown into one of the world's strongest economies and is the number one smart city in Asia. Well, that's according to the 2023 Smart City Index. But what I want to ask you is how has Singapore managed to become such a leader in sustainable technologies? Like you say, despite being a small country with limited natural resource. I really like your question, how you phrase it as the how. And I think a lot of times when we look at uh, these smart cities in the world, we often ask, what are they doing in terms of smart technologies, right? And the, the truth is, we do know what are the trending technologies. We do know what are the top and the, the cutting edge innovations. But I think it's the how a country actually make it work is the key thing. And it's usually the secret behind Singapore's success. Let's talk about first what is Singapore doing in terms of the Smart Nations initiatives, right? Um, they have three pillars in the Smart Nation initiatives. And if you look at the three, they are very, they self-reinforce. Let's start with the foundation, which is the smart government. The government's role as developer of uh, infrastructure, of regulatory environment, create a conducive environment for everything else to build on. 
And we talk about the second pillar, which is the smart economy. That's how the economy, the private sector, attracts more investment into the country, right? And from there, uh, scale up these innovation that are built in Singapore. The third one, which is a smart society, uh, built on a, a a workforce that is very much empowered to upskill their digital skills, as well as leveraging what the government gives them in terms of support, in terms of conducive environment, and so on and so forth, to really build and innovate. So these three pillar work with each other and built into Singapore as uh, what they are today. Obviously, when you go down into the house and you look at the key initiatives that the government are working on, the things like an open data culture. Where multiple government uh, agencies would share data on an open platform, that is supported and balanced by uh, a focus on cybersecurity. Right. So again, looking at the role of the government in ensure that here is an an open playground for everyone, but at the same time, we as the government ensure that the playground is secure and safe for everyone. At the same time, you have the upskilling of digital skills for citizens. And that allows citizens to engage in a uh, an ecosystem of startups, right? So we talked about earlier in how the startup community is supported by the different accelerator and so on and so forth, but also at the same time they have this whole city as a living lab. Any technology can be easily piloted and scaled, um, and that is a very unique environment that you cannot find elsewhere. Right? And obviously, here in Singapore, the advantage of a city and a nation uh, as one make it easier in terms of scale to try and scale up these innovations. But really, it's a very unique and and really a de- determination of the government to really make it it, it work for them. Uh, and last but not least, the government works very closely with other countries in the region to bring. The same technology to serve other countries, but at the same time to bring talents from other country to Singapore, right? And ensuring that this is a place where talents want to be and innovate. And I think a lot of it is how Singapore managed to become the world's leader in smart city development as it is today. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really fascinating. I, I love the synergies that the government is creating to bring the whole society on board. And of course, Singapore's reputation speaks for itself when it comes to attracting talents from around the world. It keeps, uh, you know, leading the way on uh, high standards for expat living and uh, attracting talents and securing for people a really comfortable. Uh, life, but as well as realizing startup dreams and realizing their technologies and developing their technologies and piloting them in the city. What does it mean to actually live in a smart city? You know, we hear about all these exciting developments, but what's it like? You know, being there, living your day-to-day life. Kind of paint a picture for us. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, it's important to to talk about how in Singapore, eighty percent of the population actually live in one of the government-supported housing. And in Singapore, it's called uh, Housing Development Board. This is a unique model of social housing that you would probably not find in uh, anywhere else in the world. Uh, but a very successful example of how the government has managed to provide affordable housing to a population in an economy that continue to grow, which means that the the housing price continues to increase. 
so this affordable housing is the core of what is it like to be living in Singapore. If you look at the framework of how the government developed these uh, HDBs into a smart living environment, um, we have a five smart framework. We we'll start with the planning part. Um, smart planning often means that the government would use a lot of uh, smart technologies in terms of simulations, ensuring that they look at different scenarios, right? So in Singapore, for example, being as an island, but uh, directly um, in the tropics, it's very, very hot. So the scenarios would look at where the, where the wind direction goes, where the heat islands are, and ensuring that the design in a way that will cooler the living environment for the residents, as well as capitalizing on the wind that blows in, in these living quarters. A second one then in terms of smart environment, that's where the government built something called the Smart Nation Sensor Platform, where air quality for water are captured there, both in terms of data for citizens and innovators to use, but also at the same time for citizens to see what is the weather like today? What is the humidity level? How is the air today, right? So as a citizen, I have a full control and I'm very much aware of what is surrounding me. The third thing is the smart estate, which is how a management board would manage the HDB environment. The, the board used a lot of new technology to optimize the operation. They would use remote control to examine the different assets in the estate or at the same time examine the, the asset themselves so they would know when they need to be maintained. Right? From the resident perspective, there are two aspects of smartness. One is smart living so that you can control your environment, but at the same time understand your electricity use, your light use, so that you can optimize and reduce the usage. And then last but not least is the community, right? The government used technology to understand a resident as an Indian, uh, as a Chinese household. And from there, they design programs so everyone can equally voice their, their opinion uh, of the community. And from there, build a more harmonious community together. So that's the five aspect of yeah, HDB living. Just hearing you break all of that down really is quite fascinating to hear. And obviously there are similarities there with kind of, you know, the way Mazdar City has kind of been developed. But what I love is that, you know, Singapore really sounds like it's setting the benchmark when it comes to how smart cities and sustainable cities can be run. And I love that by the sounds of it, the success or Singapore's success as a smart city can be attributed to this ability to, you know, leverage all this technology to improve quality of life for its citizens, while also putting sustainability pretty much front and centre. And, you know, this kind of overpowering, overarching aim to create a city that's powered by digital innovation and technology that pretty much responds to the changing needs or the every ever-changing needs of citizens. It really sounds like you guys are head and shoulders above a lot of territories here. Um, and I, there are other areas, I think, where Singapore's really kind of pioneering, you know, when it comes to transport. You know, I know you guys have a lot of autonomous shuttles for the elderly and disabled people, students and things like that, digitising the healthcare system. Um, and you mentioned the Smart Nation app. There are just so many things that... Singapore's really doing to prove that it's a leader in, in sustainability. It really is impressive to hear. So thank you, Ling. 
Yeah, this reminds me of our conversation that we had with Anna, the former mayor of uh, Stockholm, Lucy, if you remember, about also using data and using sensors to uh, to keep track and to keep the city uh, agile to to all its needs. Yeah, yeah, very, very reminiscent. You know, it's just another great example of a country, a territory, putting this at the top of its agenda, which unfortunately isn't the case for everywhere. But, you know, it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Singapore is also focused on achieving carbon neutrality by 2050, which is uh, quite similar to the UAE. The United Arab Emirates also has um, an initiative, which is uh, Net Zero 2050. And uh, actually, Mazar City is, you know, well on its way in in uh, constructing a few projects that are net zero energy buildings. So uh, the whole country is kind of moving forward with this with this goal. Um, so, I, you know, can you tell us more about what role has the government policy played in promoting sustainable technologies in particular? And how does it support uh, the community and businesses to to really take that? I think it's you've mentioned the green plan, if you can tell us more about that. Sure. Um, so the green plan is basically a whole of government goal and strategy to move forward uh, towards the goal of net zero by 2050. I think here again, points out the uniqueness of Singapore in terms of both the city and the state, right? So here, when you have a, a plan, then the whole country is aligned to it. And here you have both the, the strategic directions, the government um, buy-in, the alignment, the funding, um, the programs. What the Green Plan uh, does is, um, I guess, an overall overarching plan for Singapore to move towards that, that goal of uh, net zero by 2050. And it's uh, underlining in uh, a multiple pillars, uh, such as um, city living, which is goals towards uh, planting more trees, ensuring that uh, the, the, every household will be within a 10 minutes walk from a park, or increase the nature of parks land uh, by over 50% from our 2020 benchmark. It includes uh, targets towards energy reset, such as uh, increased solar energy deployment by fivefold by 2030, or 80% of the Singapore building will be super low uh, energy buildings by 2030. Uh, it includes uh, targets on sustainable living. So I think we've mentioned some things like reducing the amount of waste to landfill or reducing the household water consumption, right? So all of these different targets are very much aligned with Singapore overarching goal of sustainability development uh, as, as large. The second role, um, there was a, an initiative called public sector taking the lead in environmental sustainability. But now it's changed to greengov.sg. And, and the whole idea is that every civil servant in the government, every building of the government needs to uh, be the role model in terms of uh, aligning and, and working towards achieving this goal. So in terms of water consumptions, energy consumption, and so on and so forth. So the government buildings are setting the benchmark for how all future developments should be modeled. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. And they are very strong adopters of the technologies, right? So any other technology that help you optimize energy consumption within the government building, they are very strong adopters. And you heard earlier about using the seawater carbon dioxide into building um, materials. Wow. So these are type of technologies that the government are very much willing to adopt because they want to be the leader in terms of adopting this technology. 
obviously they themselves also invest a lot in R&D, which is the key thing about uh, about the Singapore government. So in the past two years, I think new investment plan been announced, $220 million on um, R&D in circularity or water technology, $45 million in terms of um, green building, or $64 million in terms of um, you know, city in nature or you know, urban sustainability type of investment. Uh, so these are really the key investment that the government continue to put in. Right? So ensuring that um, the technology is here, or starts from here and adopted here in Singapore. It really is quite fascinating just to hear how the government is really behind this. And did I read correctly that the 2022 budget it was announced that um, the public sector will issue 35 billion in green bonds by 2030, you know, to kind of fund green public sector projects? And incredibly, um, a lot of money we receive from, I think, 13 billion a year alone was spent on, you know, digital transformation type of, of works. And this is um, also a fascinating part about the Smart Nation as a coordinating body, right? They managed to bring together all the different agencies in Singapore and uh, aligning their budget, aligning their resources, and uh, also their strategy towards a common goal of building Singapore into a smart nation. What I think is also very interesting, which we have not touched on, uh, moving away from you know, how, what the government actually invests in, we have to find a risk of um, leaving people behind. So people who are less technologically uh, savvy or people who do not have access to certain facilities. I, I particularly love the role of the government here in terms of bringing everyone on board. So the Smart Nation office uh, bring in a lot of what they call Smart Nation ambassador, uh, which I'm uh, very proud to, to, to be one as well. And we all uh, volunteer our time to teach children, teach the elderly to use technologies, um, to engage in you know, different innovation challenges, or even just to go around and see what are happening in Singapore, right? I think if you look at um, some of the frameworks of uh, transformation, what usually fails, right? If you look at the three A's, uh, authority, ability and acceptance, right? Um, ability and authority, Singapore has done very well already. But really bringing everyone in with the acceptance, I think is a very key in terms of ensuring that the whole nation moves as one, right? And in this, in this pathway of moving towards becoming a smart nation that you know, everyone is there and working together. Yeah, that really is such a brilliant and admirable thing to hear because you're right, you know, when it comes to digital innovation and people kind of being more au fait with the digital world, young people and the older people do seem to be the ones that perhaps get left behind. So it's nice to know that there's this investment to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And like you say, Ling, that nobody gets left behind because let's face it, digital transformation is moving exponentially. And if you don't keep up, you will get left behind. And then that's really not going to help anyone. And, you know, if we're talking about, you know, kind of a moving forward to a futuristic kind of sensor laden smart city, you want everyone to be able to feel included. Inclusivity is key these days, isn't it? Yeah, well, you've mentioned the future, Lucy, and this is really what this podcast is about is, you know, learning from other cities on how to be future forward when it comes to deploying sustainable technologies. And so I'm quite curious to know, Ling, what do you think are the key trends and developments in sustainable technologies that Singapore is likely to be at the forefront of or 
you know, wanting to adopt or leading the way on. Can you give us some examples of how these will shape the country's economic and social landscape? That's a very interesting question. And um, one of the, the latest and probably most exciting news uh, come out of Singapore is that last year, uh, Singapore completed the world's uh, first digital twin of an entire nation. So digital twin, we don't have known, is um, a digital replica of an object, of a process, um, and here of an entire nation. Uh, it allows you to uh, see from uh, through sensors, uh, through IoT connectors, uh, so on and so forth, uh, the whole model of the, the whole country and where you can um, both monitor, manage, and or simulate different scenarios, right? So um, we talk about uh, smart planning before. Uh, this is something that's particularly useful for Singapore, especially in the world of climate change, where you need to plan based on different scenarios, right? Whether it's a 1.5 degree increase or 4, 4 degree increase in different kind of environments, uh, what kind of uh, challenges that you would have to deal with in terms of um, climate risk. Right. So in this case, the digital twin models will allow you to simulate that whole uh, impact on Singapore. And from there, you can design or manage as the current form based on the actual uh, and potential uh, changes uh, in, in the environment based on that. Uh, so I think that's a very exciting development in Singapore. We talk a lot about uh, digital twins at different levels. And even at the building levels, there are more and more um, where building managers would leverage digital twins to manage their energy consumptions, uh, seeing where potential energy leaks are uh, or where they can optimize on the consumptions. And from there, trying to lower, hopefully, uh, their consumption as much as possible. In terms of uh, water, which is my favorite topic, in Singapore, I think they've been managed to really marry some of the key trends that we've seen before, right? Which is um, nature-based solutions. So in Singapore, if you come, you must visit uh, Bishan Amokyo Park, which is a, a huge park next to one of the HDB community living area. And in on a normal day, it looks like a park where children can run around, throw some football, so on and so forth. But on a rainy day where there is major floods in the system, the whole park becomes a temporary retention of water so that uh, the water can be retained there and released into the system when the water downstream is released, right? So it's a perfect way of a nature-based solution that doesn't impair much of the system or doesn't uh, require a lot of investments. But at the same time, when you look at you know, new technology of, of water, as we talk about water asset management, uh, remote control, uh, remote uh, predictive maintenance. Um, and now with digital twins model, the use of this technology will allow Singapore to look at desalination of the, of the seawater and reduce a lot of the dependence on water that they are currently importing from Malaysia. At the same time, they're ensuring that all the nature ways in Singapore is uh, protected but at the same time planned along with the different uh, species that is already in Singapore and ensuring that these nature and uh, natural CBCs will be protected and uh, coexisting harmoniously with the human, even though we continue to build and to introduce more technology into the system.
Incredible. <laughs> Some pretty amazing innovations there. Joe, just talk, hearing you talk about the water retention system um, just reminds me when I'm, I was in Dubai for the, you know, the expo and the Singaporean pavilion was this incredible green hub full of, you know, showing the city's aspirations towards sustainable future, digital ecosystem that integrates nature and architecture and technology. And just hearing you talk about how, you know, the city is making use of all these different areas just really hammers home just how important sustainability is to Singapore. And it's just nice to hear it in practice um, and not obviously seeing it in a pavilion in the middle of the desert. Um, but it is really fascinating to, to just, just hear how these green solutions are really creating innovation and creating possibilities and and um, solutions for the city. So yeah, thanks for sharing, Ling. Thank you. Are you going to COP, uh, Ling? Are we going to see you here in the UAE for COP28 happening end of November? I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to make it happen. Oh, amazing. And you're definitely going to have to come and visit us at Mazdar City. Potentially look at how we continue to collaborate between our organizations to accelerate these type of startups and bring these technology all over the world, not only in our smart cities. Thank you so much, Ling Lee. It's been so insightful and so interesting to hear about all the ways Singapore is being future forward when it comes to sustainability and what you're personally doing and contributing to that. I just really want to second that. It's always so fascinating to hear from someone who's on the front line, who's fully ingrained in working with these technologies that is able to give us prime examples of how this technology really is making a future forward city. So Ling, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Really, I find that there are so many technologies out there. And I think it's really podcasts like this that will help cities feel less hesitant to embrace this technology. And looking at the you know, examples and the best practices from successful cities like Stockholm, like Singapore, so that they will be you know, fully embracing this technology and the way forward. Thank you very much. I cannot end this episode without giving a shout out to the very lovely and smart Charlotte West, who's our podcast producer who lives in Singapore. So thank you, Charlotte. And uh, I think for now, tune in to all the different episodes on season two of the Future Forward podcast in which we visit cities around the world. I think for now, tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Huh?